0: mm Well, hello. (laughs) More biblical obscurity today. That's what we do here. But uh, uh, we'll explain that first reading. uh, Well, we'll try anyways. Let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, let's open the big book on the coffee table, the Bible. Today's first reading is from the prophet Zephaniah. (laughs) We all know about. uh, um, Well, we're going to tell you who Zephaniah is. It's kind of actually kind of hard to say. Um, Zephaniah, the word means uh, 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 God is concealed. It can mean that. uh, God is hidden, but it, there were several people in the, in the Bible who are called Zephaniah. And there's one who prophesied the days of Josiah 640 to 609 BC. Um, and uh, so that quite possibly is our, our, our Zephaniah. Um, and uh, it was a time of huge instability uh, in the, in the, in the, in Western Asia, in the in the in the uh, Levant, that area, uh, from Turkey on down to Egypt, so um, he's prophesying that that um, well, all these people are invading, and uh, you know um, uh, the world is being overrun by foreigners, and he's saying, don't worry about it. Well. Uh, woe to the city, rebellious and polluted, the, the tyrannical city. She hears no voice, accepts no uh, correction. I will change and purify the lips of all people. Let's, let, let me click on the, the, the whole reading because, of course, it gets cut down. Um, there's corruption in the city. The officials within it are roaring lions. Its judges are desert wolves. Its prophets are reckless. But the Lord is in its midst. The Lord in its midst is just doing no wrong. Uh, so I've cut down nations, their battlements are laid waste, I've made their streets deserted. Um, surely, now you will fear me, you will accept correction. They cannot fail to see all I've brought on them. And therefore, wait for me. The, and then it goes, Oracle of the Lord, in verse 8 of the chapter. Until the day when I rise as accuser, it's my decision to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms. Uh, in order to out my wrath upon them, I will make them I will make pure the speech of the peoples, that they all may call on the name of the Lord. From beyond this verse ten now, from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, they shall bring me offerings, Uh, and on that and the recesses of the north, the recesses of the north. Apparently, the Scythians who were lived on the Ukrainian steppes, they they were coming down into into the area. So it was a time of great unrest. Um. uh, So what he's saying is um, uh, that that on that day you will not be ashamed. Uh, I will remove the proud braggarts from your midst, and you shall no longer exalt yourself on my holy mountain. But I will leave a remnant in your midst uh, who shall take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no wrong. So, uh, all this said, uh I, th- I think that 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 this really does have something to say to us uh, in our times that we we always go for the big <laughs> God doesn't you know that that God doesn't mind quantity but he prefers quality I really believe that that right now the church is going through this incredible well I might as well tell you what I think <laughs> the church is going through an incredible time of purification at the moment it really is um we were the big dog on the block and um we're not anymore. I really believe that. I said yesterday that, um, you know, we may talk about uh, millions of people in a diocese. How many people are going to Mass on a Sunday? Uh, none of us thought that COVID would last this long. It's been, is it more than two years? It's 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 going on two years, I think. And uh, I, I think in, in January, it'll be two years, uh, late January. And... Uh, the idea of going to mass on Sunday, um, was dying, you know, the idea of Sabbath observance was, was dying before COVID. And I think COVID has really strained out a lot, you know, that, that, um, maybe I'm wrong about this, but, uh, the idea when I was a lad, how about this? I'm being incoherent, but then again, I often am. When I was a lad, uh, in seminary, and people were beginning to uh, to leave off on their religious obligations. In 1950, pretty much you had packed churches, uh, and people believed that if you didn't go to mass on Sunday, you're going to go to hell. Well, that changed. But our professors always said, "Yeah, yeah, they they may leave, but when they won't, when they have kids, they'll they'll be back." That was two generations ago. They didn't come back. You know that that uh, when I was young, one was Catholic because one was Irish or one was Polish or one was German Catholic and German Catholics, we can help Protestant the Protestants, um, you know, that that it was somehow was our ethnic identity. How could you be Irish and not be Catholic? Well, look at Ireland now. Uh, Neopaganism is everywhere. Um, how do how are you Italian and and not Catholic? Well, guess what? Um, the, 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 uh, uh, the faith as an ethnicity is over. And, uh, you know, I, I, am maybe jumping up uh, on the word of the day. I am going to continue with what I've been saying in word of the day, but, um, uh, the only reason to be Catholic is because it's true <laughs> instead of being Irish or being Polish or being whatever you are ethnically that, that this process uh, of, of, uh, purification, uh, really, I think has been greatly hastened by, uh, by the pandemic. Uh, because now of course there is in many places, there is no obligation to go to mass and the longer people are without a uh, sense of obligation. Well, the longer, uh, or the more accustomed to, to doing without mass they are now having the opposite effect on certain people that certain people are longing to go to mass. Um, I think that, uh, another element is, is the fact that the clergy, Catholic clergy are generally held in, in great, uh, uh in, 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 former times we were held in, in great esteem. Now we're still held in great esteem by a few people. Um, it's funny. You used to, um, uh, If you wore a collar out, you kind of get nodded at and, you know, I don't think most people look at my black clergy shirt. Most young people look at the shirt and even the collar and they would say, oh, that's a cool shirt. They have no idea what it means. Um, It's very interesting uh, how this has changed in a very short period of time. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not sure that that's all bad. Uh, it's it's this reading from Zephaniah the third chapter that that uh, the Lord is going to purify Jerusalem and the Lord is going to bring the nations to Jerusalem uh, and there will be a remnant. Um, this happens very frequently in the course of the history of God's people and it's it's almost a a, a biblical principle uh, so I, I think that you know, one can never quite guess what the Lord is doing, and one shouldn't really try. But um, that doesn't stop me from pontificating. Um, this is an interesting—I'm I, I I'm very interested in the way that history will look back on the church at this time. That that um, uh, I think many of us think, oh, what a terrible time this is. But on the other hand, there is a, a kind of maxim that— The the church is, uh, the quality of the church or the the health of the church is to be judged by its martyrs. In other words, if there are people willing to give their life for for Christ and for the gospel, the church is in really good shape. It may not look like it's in great shape. And we live in an unprecedented age of martyrs. I remember um, being a little kid in grade school and the nuns teaching us about the martyrs and saying, well, that era is over, though. No, it's not. There's never been more martyrs than in the past hundred years. Uh, uh, untold numbers of people have given their life for Christ and still do. Uh, I was reading in, in uh, uh, the news today about a procession in France in honor of the Blessed Mother, and uh, people around uh, who were not Christians were we're saying things like, we're going to cut your throats. This is our land. This is, uh, you know, you're calling them horrible names and spitting at them. The priest leading the procession was, was being threatened with death and spat on. What a great time to be a Catholic, that there are people who say, go ahead, spit on me, cut my throat. <laughs> I belong to Christ. And uh, easier to say <laughs> from, a, uh, from the safety <coughs> of a, <coughs> of a uh, comfortable chair. But still, um, we live in an amazing time, and I, I I wonder how history will look back at this era. All right, let's go to the gospel. Um, all that from good old Zephaniah. Matthew, the 21st verse. Uh, say that again, dear voice in my head? What was that? Uh, a lot of positivity. Yes, I'm being real positive. Things are wonderful. We're doomed. Okay, let's go to the gospel. Matthew, the 21st chapter. A man had uh, two sons. Uh, well, this kind of uh, speaks for itself. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard. The son said in reply, I will not. But then he changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of them did the father's will? The first. Well, amen, I say to you, Jesus tells them, the tax collectors and prosecutors, what's wrong with tax collectors? Somebody's got to do it. You got to understand the tax collectors, the system of taxes in the ancient Roman world was called tax farming. Uh, The Romans would have a kind of, uh, oh, kind of an auction. Um, uh, They would auction off the position of tax collector in, in the town of Nazareth, and somebody Would say, I'll get you a million denarius, uh, denarii. And uh, then someone said, I'll get you a million, one million, two hundred thousand denarii out of Nazareth. And the high bid won the position of tax collector. The catch was this if you didn't collect the one million, two (laughs) hundred thousand that you'd promised, you had to make it up out of your own resources. However, if you collected more than the 1200000 you got to keep the, uh, uh, the excess, and you made the tax assessments, and you, in, in effect, had a squad of, of Roman soldiers to help you enforce that, and um, you could literally force your townsmen. It, the Romans were smart. They would have Jews collect taxes from Jews and Greeks from Greeks and Spaniards from Spaniards. The Romans didn't do the tax collecting necessarily. (laughs) They, they enjoyed having local people do it. So you didn't hate the Romans nearly so much as you, as you hated your announcement, like, uh, like um, Levi, the tax collector. Uh, He was, he was a Jew from the, apparently a Levite. And uh, he was the one bilking his neighbors. So, uh, in effect, you were forcing your neighbors to sell their children so that they could pay the taxes to you. Tax collectors were automatically excommunicated. They were hated uh, and and uh, I mean, this is a scandal. Jesus is going to tax collectors' homes to eat. Well, where do you think that money is coming from to pay for the meal? I mean, it's it's it was just very hard for people to understand if he was the Messiah, why he would do this. So, uh, prostitutes, uh, sold themselves, but tax collectors were worse. They sold you. So tax collectors and pros- prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God. Now, again, it doesn't, I don't think this means going to heaven before you, but they are, they are entering into God's, uh, royal court. They are, they are special people. Um, we still have that kind of classist attitude that there are certain people who have access to the halls of government and certain people who don't. So to enter into the kingdom of God is to have access to God's God's royalness, access to the court. Um, I, I think I don't know that you necessarily have to hear going to heaven, though I, I would imagine it's included in this. John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. So, uh, frequently, uh, we, we, huh, we want people, this, this, you know, this is, oh dear, let me see, how to, how to put this delicately. There have been some horrible, horrible people in history. Oh, I might as well just say it. Uh, one of the, I, I think one of the hardest things about the gospel is the teaching of absolute forgiveness. I really do. I think it's, it's, it, it offends us, you know, that, that absolute forgiveness is wonderful, provided I'm the guy being absolutely forgiven. But for someone who's offended me to be forgiven by God. Well, I don't know about that. I remember talking to Rabbi Lefkowitz that if, uh, but in a sense, what's God got to do with it? Uh, If you've offended me, or I've offended you. It isn't God to whom I have to make up. It's you or me. Um. Well, uh, let's. Uh, this is this, this is going to sound offensive, but let's say Adolf Hitler had repented in the last moment, sincerely repented. Would he be saved? Yeah. That's horrible. Now. I pointed out to you that unless purgatory is real, that would be unjust. Uh, you know, I've met all these people who died and lived to tell about it, and they all say that they experience all the pain they caused. Injustice had somebody like Stalin or Hitler repented, they would still experience all the pain they caused. They aren't off the hook. They still have temporal punishment due to sin, though their salvation is, 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 is a gift. Still, that offends us. It offends me. <laughs> you know, the, the, this absolute radical forgiveness is, I think, one of the least appealing things about, about Christianity. However, let's think about this. You know, the, the seers of Fatima, the Fatima children were shown hell, and they were utterly horrified. Someone like Stalin or Hitler or Pol Pot wanted people out of the way and didn't mind if they suffered Temporarily, hell is eternal and unmitigated suffering, which we can't even begin to appreciate. And I believe there is such a thing. Now, for you to say that person should go to hell puts you in the category of the tyrants of the world. Think about it. For you to say, that person, I hope that, I hope that person burns in hell. You're wishing a worse fate on someone than even Hitler or Stalin wished? They didn't believe in hell. They didn't care about it. They just wanted them out of the way after they'd suffered a little. Horrible suffering, admittedly. But when you say, I hope you burn in hell, you are, in a certain sense making yourself worse than the tyrants of the world. I really believe that if you and I could perceive the horror which is hell, we would want, if we're human, if we in any way have the love of God in our hearts, we would never want another human being, no matter how evil that human being was, to suffer hell. Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us in the fires of hell. (laughs) It's a great prayer we pray. We pray for those who are most in need of your mercy. Do we mean it or don't we? Well, in this reading, John came in a way of righteousness. I'm always telling you that an essential element of righteousness is generosity. And John announced a forgiveness that didn't just embrace the good people, but embraced the very bad tax collectors who sold their fellow citizens into slavery his forgiveness embraced those horrible horrible people i don't know that mine does i don't know that yours does either this is a hard thing to think about uh, the, the reading from zephaniah that the braggarts will be silenced well these braggarts are saying well we deserve god's forgiveness those people don't no one deserves god's forgiveness and yet he offers it to all this is to me the hardest part of the christian faith the absolute forgiveness and mercy of god i think it should apply to me but maybe not to others I'm uh, Yeah, I understand I'm being sarcastic. All right, we're going to take a break. We will come back with um, mass hysteria. Isn't that exciting? The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com/forester. Claim, the faith of Jesus. All, are
1: relevant.
0: All are welcome. All are welcome, except people who don't agree with me theologically. You know, this song, when I would hear it, it would make me crazy, because uh, the, the people who are singing All Are Welcome, well, I don't know that they meant it. <laughs> you know, that, uh, it's a funny time we live in, in which unless you agree with me, you're a bad person. Uh, that's nuts. So you don't agree with me. <laughs> what can I do about it? All right, let's go to Mass Hysteria. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria! This should be a fairly brief mass hysteria, but a fairly pointed one. Let's talk about the prayers of the faithful, so-called. Um, I'm not quite sure of the genesis of the prayers of the faithful, as many things... Uh, we looked longingly at uh, at other traditions than our Roman tradition, and the long litanies of the Eastern Church, uh, I think, influenced the prayers of the faithful, which are sometimes called the bidding prayers. I have no idea why they're called the bidding prayers, but... Uh, <laughs> everyone that, that's the voice did was that i was that allowed your voice in my head oh tell tell them what you just said that was good well, i just said <laughs> every, the,
1: the bidding prayers because everyone's get, bidding to get their intention said at mass
0: well yes not yes yes that um uh, it's um the thing that makes me crazy about the prayers of the faithful so-called is the faithful have nothing to do with them um the uh um they're usually written by a committee or taken from a book, uh, or, or the priest makes them up, or the deacon makes them up. But when they are written by a committee or by someone who is um, active in the liturgy, as one might say... Um, they're usually five or six little sermons, and for the hungry of the world, that we might not be so cheap, and that we should give them more stuff, and and uh, that the evil politicians who uh, are opposed, you know, they they're five little sermonettes usually, and they're not prayers of the faithful. They are they are um, uh, prayers of the committee, and I, it it just I remember when I was a youth, we used to allow, especially at daily masses, um, we would allow people to sort of shout out from the congregation. And um, (laughs) that got out of control really fast. I remember at one parish I was at, there was a man and woman, husband and wife, who sat on opposite sides of the church and that my wife would quit being such a jerk and treat me—I'm not making this up—and treat me better. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And, and then from the wife's side would come that my husband would stop being such an idiot and once in a while pick up after himself. Let us pray to the. They got out of control pretty fast, <laughs> so I—I I, I don't know what we do about it. Um. Uh, I think that I have nothing against uh, prayers of the faithful, but what we got now aren't prayers of the faithful. They're they're kind of either improvised sermons or recriminations against people I'm mad at. So that's just some thoughts on prayers of the faithful. And uh, uh, I don't know, it'd be nice to see those kind of reformed if you have an intention Uh, Write it out simply and bring it to Father before Mass. Something like that. Um, uh, It's just a pet peeve. Not a big one, but it's there. All right, let's go to letters. Now, this is a letter. um, uh, I'm going to leave this anonymous, but I heard a lay speaker say that the devil can read our thoughts or cannot read our thoughts. Is this true? It seems to me the devil would be able to read our thoughts. No, I, I think that that speaker was probably right. Uh, the devil can only do what God allows him to do. Um, that that uh, the devil doesn't have absolute access to our inner self. Uh, I think that that's true. Um, if we let our guard down and we are not in a state of sanctifying grace and that sort of thing, or if we in any way, God forbid, invite the devil to hear our thoughts, yeah, he can, I imagine. Um, the, I, I know that when I, when I occasionally assisted, uh, the exorcist years ago, and again, I am not an exorcist. Uh, thank God that's an, a, a really difficult, a difficult job and very hard on the psychological and even physical health of the exorcist. So I, I'm very grateful that I, I, I was never an exorcist, but, um, having assisted in some, I remember that the exorcist would always go to confession to me and then he would hear my confession because the devil had no access to sins that were confessed and absolved. So the the uh, the access that the devil has to our thoughts is something that, well, uh, in a sense I think that we can give him and, and we don't have to. So you stay prayed up and confessed up in a state of grace, you're, you're good. Uh, same speaker also declared to me that my thought that I had a spiritual wound that may not be healed this side of heaven was of the devil. Well, I'm not so sure I believe that. We, we see Paul's thorn in the flesh, that sort of thing. Um, uh, it depends what you mean by a, a, a spiritual wound. Um, if you're talking about a, a sin or a habit of sin you're on to repent for that. That isn't healing. That's repentance. So, um, uh, I think that, that, um, yeah, there are some, some th- crosses that we bear through our life. Uh, but then those are, I don't think those apply to sin or moral, uh, moral weakness. So, uh, those we have to repent from. So I hope that helps a little. Now I have an extremely difficult letter that I want to read. Uh, This is anonymous, but uh, this person has given me permission to read this letter. Uh, You said that hating your parents means that you hate part of yourself. Do you see how this comment might be hurtful to those of us who are truly abused? My sister and I were molested by our own father. The only thing we can honor about him is the fact that he happened to be an instrument by which we were given life. God used this evil person to bring us into physical existence, but I cannot honor anything else about him. The point I was trying to make is that's enough that, that uh, uh, you know, so what if he had great pen- penmanship or good sense of humor? He violated us. <sighs> this fits in real well with what I was trying to talk about earlier. You know, when you refuse to forgive, the word forgive in Greek means to let go. It doesn't mean to say, oh, it never happened. It doesn't mean to say uh, uh, that I have to have tea on on Wednesdays and Fridays with this person. What it means is that you have to allow God's Holy Spirit to unchain you, that this doesn't define your worth. If you live in anger with someone, no matter what the anger is about, be it road rage or something as horrible as this. Uh, If you live in anger at some person, that person usually doesn't even know you're angry or doesn't care that you're angry. The only person who knows about it is yourself. And to let something go, to forgive something, means to say, I'm not going to let this situation control my life. And I, I think that that's real. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't diminish your self-worth. And their suffering will not enhance your self-worth. Um, this is, as I said, this is one of the hardest teachings of Scripture. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And When we take vengeance into our own hands, in a sense, the Lord says, well, I don't have to take revenge. You're going to do it for me. I, to leave something to God. And say Lord bless that person in the way you want to bless them there's freedom in that I, I really do believe it all of us have been hurt uh, thank God most of us not to this horrible extent Let uh, I me. Mean, I'll tell you a story I'll tell you a story about a woman um, who I knew in a prayer group she was Jewish and had uh, converted to the Christian faith and she she was, I think, she and her husband, by hiding in a bathroom, were on the last ship out of Genoa before it all closed down uh, out of Europe in the Second World War. Trudy, I'm a dear woman, she is, long since with the Lord. So I, I, I don't think it's a problem. I'm mentioning her name, and uh, in our prayer group, a group of women were praying with her because her entire family had been killed by the Nazis, um, and uh, she grew up in Germany. Uh, German Jews really considered themselves German before they were Jewish. Most of them, uh, especially those who were involved in Reform Judaism, they—that was their nationality. They weren't. They didn't have Jewish nationality. They—they they were Germans who had Jewish faith. Well, the Nazis didn't believe this, and her entire family died because of the Holocaust. She was the only one who got out, and. Um, as I said, the, the ladies in the prayer group were, were praying with her, ministering to her and, and and praying for the healing of her memories. And uh, I came in after, you know, I was away for summer break and I came back to the prayer group and there's this woman there and I heard a German accent. And so I immediately, oh, you speak German. And I started speaking in German and she smiled and gave me the biggest hug. And I had no idea about this, but this, the, 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 um, the ladies who had been praying with her just stood there with their jaws dropping because it meant that she'd been healed, that she could embrace someone who was ethnically German. Of course, I'm American and my parents were born here, but, uh, I speak German badly and I'm ethnically German and that she could embrace me. She was free and, and she was able to go back to, to Germany at one point and, and, uh, I think some of her family actually died uh, uh, before the, the concentration camps and had, had uh, graves. She was able to, to find the graves of her people and, and uh, pray the mourner's cottage for them. So um, to be free of, of these things, uh, anger is not the way to be free. Uh, letting go. And I, I use that word advisedly. Letting go is the way to be free. Um, so, well, this is, as I say, the hardest, hardest thing about Christianity is is the absolute nature of the letting go-ness, the forgiveness um, that we have in Christ. And um, um, I heard something, a uh, uh, Dorothy Day quote, uh, um, that we will be judged not by the people who we love the most but our judgment will be about the persons that we love the least you understand that that our judgment will be about the, the people we love the least whatsoever you do for the least of my brothers not whatsoever you do for the, the best of my brothers tax collectors and prostitutes Enter the kingdom of heaven before the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. I don't like it. I would like the guys in the black hats to get beat on by life, and I would like the guys in the white hats to be exalted. But unfortunately, God doesn't see the color of the hat (laughs) or any other color. So this is a very difficult thing. Um, But freedom comes from... Hearing God's word in this regard. All right, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back with our word of the day, and then we'll open up the phones. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at RelevantRadio.com/Forester. All right of a white <laughs> goodness no i'm not i'm too old to Let dream about a white christmas Sorry, you, you gotta shovel this stuff <laughs> i don't want the green jello i want the pudding all right let's go to uh the word of the day <laughs> Oh, uh, well, the word of the day is the same as for the past two days. Beatzomai and "biastai." I just am utterly intrigued by that because I, you know, I've read it for what? I've been reading the Bible for 60 years now. My family, uh, we read the Bible. I When I found out the Catholics didn't read the Bible, I was kind of amazed because we did. Uh, it's, my poor father would try to get us to have a reading uh, a reading after uh, dinner at Advent and Lent, and we all wanted to go out and play or do something or go watch television or something, and my poor father's trying to, we're going to read the Bible together, and uh, we did. But in in all those years of reading the Bible, I've never understood that passage, that uh, and from the time of John the Baptist until now— the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, they usually translate, and the violent bear it away. That makes no sense. Oh, by the way, the phones are open. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. Well, back to this passage. Um, that, that, I never understood it. Jesus is saying that from the time of John the Baptist until now, and we see John the Baptist in today's reading uh, saying that you guys who are religious, you're not, you're not understanding God's nature. You're not understanding the kingdom of God and you're not entering in these tax collectors and prostitutes are because they need it. And that's the the situation we're in now that, that, Oh yeah, I'm a Catholic. I, I'm, you know, I remember some guy, I will never forget, when he found out that I would not um, uh, recommend for First Communion or Confirmation anyone, a, a kid who wasn't coming to church fairly regularly. And this guy was furious. He ratted me out to my superiors, and he called me, and he said, I, I'm not making this up. I am a perfectly good Catholic. I, without fail, I go to Mass every Christmas and every Easter. <laughs> give me a break. He was somebody who was from one of those ethnicities that was born Catholic. Nobody's born Catholic. You're baptized Catholic. And the point that that Jesus is making is these guys are, are, are John the Baptist told him, you're not Jewish. You're not Israel. You're not Hebrews. You got to want to be Israel. That's why he baptized them. He baptized. He put them through a, a conversion process, not the sacrament of baptism, but he put them through this, this mikveh process of washing the non-Israeliteness off them. And they were, so we don't have to do that. We're, we're born Israel. No, you're not. You're not. You're chosen as Israel by God. And, and so Jesus is saying, and I think he's saying to us now, you're not Catholic because you were born Catholic. You're Catholic because it's true, and you are hungry. You are desperate for the truth. You are, you are forceful. You you have ardent zeal, as 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 one of my correspondents mentioned. Uh, so at any rate, that's I'm just utterly intrigued by that passage, which in sixty years I've only understood now. Not the sharpest quill on the porcupine. Eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Whom do we have on the line? Let's go to phone calls, dear ahoy. voice in my head. Ship ahoy. Who? Lee from Northwest Arkansas. Not who. Lee, what can I do for you, Lee? Hey, I just wanted to call and uh, share some good news with you. Uh, something that might make you, uh, might kind of uplift you a little bit. Um here in
2: Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, our uh, our attendance at church on um, Mass
0: every Sunday is getting bigger and bigger. I mean, Praise we have to get earlier and earlier to find a good place. Oh, that's cook. wonderful. And... Uh, and, oh that's and, wonderful. You better, Thank uh, you. We we're, we're we're breaking ground on a new church too. And uh it's it's going to be the old classic style church, not like a UFO oh, yeah. from the Planet ugly. So you know <laughs> we're all excited about that. But, you know it's we, I mean things are just growing by leaps and bounds around here. Oh that's beautiful. Really Thank because, you. I mean we're 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 right here in in Baptist Evangelical country too. So you know whenever tell somebody you're Catholic they look at you like you just did something rude I mean <laughs> I still have you Catholics know that you, won't talk to me because they think I'm in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> well you know you know I think I think that I always say the best Catholic the best the evangelicals make the best Catholics but um you know I, I think you know in all of the struggles that we're going through in the rust belt which used to be so-called the Catholic um we need to look at where, where there are churches like the one you're at, what, what's going on in that church that it's a success. And I think, you know, you don't, you don't learn how to lose weight by studying fat people. You don't learn how to get rich by studying, by studying poor people. And uh, so I, 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 I'm delighted to hear that because there are places that are great successes. So, well, thanks for calling in. God bless you. And uh, hang in there. Who we got next? Your voice in my head. Dee from Texas. Are you with us? Dee from Texas. What can I do for you?
1: Yes, yes I am, Father. Um, I just wanted to ask, I, I thought I heard on one of your previous shows where you said that if a divorced Catholic who was remarried, not in the church, but was living as brother and sister with their husband due to illness or whatever, that they would be allowed to go to confession and communion. Is that correct?
0: Yes, provided their intention was to live as brother and sister until they were, uh, uh, had their marriage regularized in church. Uh, you know, that, that, uh, um, it's still, I would recommend the annulment process. But yes, if, if a person has, has his or her intention to live a chaste life as brother and sister, that, that uh, they can uh, receive absolution. Yes. Does that answer your question?
1: It does, Father. The only thing is, I'm not sure about the younger priests that they're aware of this. Is is that oh, correct? Oh. I mean, you're an older priest, and you.
0: Uh, I'm I an mean, old I'm so priest. That... Yes.
1: Uh, no, no, not uh, old, not old, but you're older, you're wiser, and I, it, I'm not sure the younger <laughs> priests are getting that message. Is is that? Oh. Is there a problem in?
0: There, there. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there is. That uh, um, you know that that um it takes a little bit of time to kind of absorb yeah yeah but i'm quite mm. sure that that's true but it, it understand it must be one's intention to live a chaste yes, life sir. until until so um yes father uh, yes yeah, father I yeah understand. that that's thank true thank you so much that's for the clear thanks find thank an old so priest for the <laughs> no, <laughs> well, no god bless I just you
1: i faustina i just remember st faustina saying um that she has pity on people who experience inexperienced Priest.
2: That's
0: yes, 595 yes. in her diary. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> yes, yes. So soon, as we say in German, so soon old, so late smart. So, but we say it in German. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. God bless. And and and, uh, you know, I, I would I would uh, pursue a, a good confession with that. And if 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 you meet a priest who who doubts that tell him to write me a letter at Relevant Radio and I will I will do my best to f- show him the sources of that moral theology. Alright? God bless. Thanks so much for calling in. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Anne from Tampa, Florida. What can I do for you?
2: Um, yes, I was calling uh, about a situation my father had asked me to confide with him, or he has confided in me, about a mistake that he's made. He's He's had a couple of near-death experiences in the last yeah. two months um, Wow. cardiac and pulmonary issues, and he's been in and out of ICU, and I think it's come very close to um, to death, and he's had mm-hmm. three anointings, I believe, in that time. He's Catholic, you know, raised Catholic, but um, sure. anyway, he convinced me um, that he wanted me to contact a priest, and, and I did, and I, you know, they gave him another anointing, but He didn't speak with them, and I don't know if he froze on this, but he did contact me about this um, mistake that he's made. Um, Mm -hmm. The mistake was that he petitioned on All Souls Day, he would petition, he would pray daily for his deceased relatives, which is Mm -hmm. also great, and said he has um, petitioned them, though, for assistance, and now he feels Mm -hmm. like he's made a mistake, and he's had intense nightmares. He's in the hospital right now, and he's... Waiting for a procedure, and he had another anointing this week. Um, but he says, you know, I, I'd like you to talk to a priest, and I and I did, and I didn't get any answers. But I listened to your radio station, and I hear how how intensely powerful you are, and and your yeah. wealth of knowledge. So I wanted to reach well, out to you. And
0: you know, you time. know what I would do, I would see if I can get a priest to hear his confession. Not just to anoint him but to hear his confession. He should mention this to the priest and I would suggest the Divine Mercy Chaplet. The Divine Mercy Chaplet is, is a, a, a powerful prayer for the prep, for preparation to, to be with the Lord. And I, I don't know if he knows the Divine Mercy Chaplet, but I you know, we, we do it every day at three thirty on, on Drew's show. Uh, but I would I would uh, I would lead him in the Divine Mercy Chaplet as much as possible. That's what I would do. And I would I would see if I could get my parish priest to come and not anoint him. He's as anointed as he needs to be uh, to hear his confession, and that he, to have him speak with the priest. That would be my advice. So I hope that helps a little bit. Um, and I will be praying. What's What's his first name, if, if you don't mind? Just the first. Yeah. What is it? George, George, I will be praying. I, say that again.
2: George.
0: I will, I will be praying for him. I will remember him at mass. God bless you. All right, who have we got now? Dear voice in my head. Rocco from Vegas. Rocco, what can I do for you? Hey, Father Simon, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, I was baptized like 57 years ago uh, into the church, mm-hmm. but I never went through communion or all the other
2: uh, things I need mm-hmm. to do. And sure. uh, I'm coming back to the faith, but I was wondering what I need to do to be able to take the Holy Eucharist.
0: Hmm. You need to go to your pastor and just explain the situation and say, I want to take the appropriate instructions. He might recommend that you uh, participate in something that we call it RCIA, which means Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. In, in essence, okay. you're undergoing a conversion, though you're already baptized, but I would suggest that. Um, okay. Uh, just go to your pastor and tell him that. And I think I think that. Uh, well, congratulations on 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 your baptism kicking in. See, it worked. That's wonderful.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it yes, finally
0: kicked yes, in. Yes. Yeah, uh, some finally, of us are late bloomers. Yeah. I would count myself among that. Say that again. I said yes. It's finally kicked in after fifty-seven years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good. good. It takes a while. Sometimes it does. (laughs) Well, I'll be praying for you, Rocco. God bless you, and thanks for calling in and find your pastor and tell him what you need. God bless. I will. Who we got now? Oh, who we got now, dear voice in my head? Catherine from San Francisco. We just have a minute. What can I do for you, Catherine?
2: Oh, I always wind up at the tail end here. (laughs) Um, Oh, dear. What I was wondering is this time of year, I'm thinking about uh, the birth of our Lord. And um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering where uh, Mary's parents lived. Did they live in Jerusalem? And how far is Bethlehem from Jerusalem? Yes,
0: that's that's the tradition. They lived in Jerusalem. Uh, there's a place called the House of of Joachim and Anna uh, by the Church of Saint Anne's, and that's uh, a strong tradition. And it's just five miles north of Bethlehem. But remember, they're walking, so five miles was a was a, the better part of a day, especially if you're nine months pregnant. Uh, and it was it was the town to which Joseph would 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 have gone. Uh, uh, being, you know, from that area. But yes, it's, it's, uh, it's, the Holy Land is a small place. And I've been there with Drew. <laughs> and uh, Drew is very tall, but he does fit in the Holy Land. Stay tuned in that Divine Mercy Chaplet. Nothing but the best. All right. Talk to you later.